Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple of months, you've heard all about the GameTime app and how it can save you some serious cash on last minute tickets to sports concerts, all types of shows. Me, I like the two tap feature, really easy, just easy checkout. You don't have to spend a lot of time there filling stuff out. You're, you're done and you're, you got your tickets and you're ready to go. Well, now GameTime is hooking you up for the holidays with $10 credit. Here's what to do. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store. Click on my ticket section of the app create an account then under the billing section redeem code the athletic that's t-h-e athletic a-t-h-l-e-t-i-c once again that's the athletic all one word for ten dollars off your first purchase that's free money people credit is only available to the first one thousand people who redeem the code it expires at the end of the year that's december 31st 2019 so make moves quick and score last minute tickets Lamar. Winning lottery numbers coming up. I'm gonna switch it up for y'all a little bit. Get crunk. You know why? Huh? It's hurricane season. The new Miami. The new Miami. The new Miami. Surge. Surge. The new Miami. Welcome back to the Wide Right Podcast. I have no interviews for you today, nothing pre recorded. Today, I'm bringing on my buddy, Calvin Harris, and my producer, Mike Zimmerman, just to talk some Canes football with you. We are just about 48 hours away from the start of the early signing period. I know Miami Hurricanes fans are in a tizzy. They want all of the best recruits to come to Miami following a 6-6 six and six season, and they're upset that Justin Flo and Darnell Washington are probably not coming, and that uh, some of these other official visitors in the last couple of weeks have been committing to other schools like Keyshawn Green choosing Nebraska and they're worried about uh, Romello Height and Auburn and some mysterious trip that he took to Auburn with his family. It's it's We are in full panic mode 48 hours here before the early signing period begins and uh, I want to bring on Kelvin here first. Mike, you're, feel free to join in whenever you want but um, I, I wanted to start with recruiting and, and just sort of your expectations, because I think one thing that's sort of happening in this hysteria is that fans are forgetting that uh, they're coming off a six and six season. They lost to FIU. That's going to obviously hurt their recruiting efforts. Um, and Manny Diaz ultimately uh, and what, he, what he, people are ultimately going to judge him on is what, how the team does next season. They're not going to worry about this recruiting class right now because you don't know how these players are going to project. And I think people are forgetting that. Really, the most important thing here is player development in the springtime and getting a few of these freshmen and guys that were redshirted this year to help and contribute in some way, shape, or form. And that ultimately is how Manny Diaz was going to be judged in 2020. It's obvious he's not going to be fired. He'll be coming back. I think most of his assistant coaches will probably be coming back, including his coordinators. So get over 2019. It's over. It's in the past. you got one bowl game left that in reality is meaningless. But... To me, uh, this recruiting class, it's great that they got the 20 commitments, the kids that have all sort of been bought in for a long time. But what happens from here on out is just gravy. You get a Darnell Jenkins, you get a Justin Flo, you get whoever here, Jaden Francois into the class. That's great. But I really don't think any of these guys are going to be big-time contributors in 2020. And ultimately, it's going to be up to Manny Diaz and his staff to get the guys on campus already to play at a higher level next year. Kelvin, I'll start with that. I know you've been going crazy. You've been fighting all kinds of Twitter wars. The floor is yours, my friend. Well, let me just sum up. Well, let me just finish one thing. 
if you're an adult and you're DMing and adding 17 year olds, you're creepy. <laughs> I mean, like it's one thing to say, you know, congratulate them on a commitment or, you know, have fun on your visit or we sure love to see you come to the school. Lighthearted stuff. But when you in a DMs about how could you go to that school and what are you thinking and I wouldn't come here. You need to go get a life. You need to go down to Tootsie's, up to the VIP room, get the girl with the massage, get you some 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 uh, crab fried rice, and maybe take a trip to the back room. Cause right, that's just ridiculous. These are seventeen year old kids. This is the most important decision of their life. And wherever the motivation is for them to go where they go, it's their motivation, and it's like. Like, like you said, Manny, I mean, first of all, the ma the majority of these kids are not going to come in and play. Not significant minutes. And if they are coming in to play, your team has a problem. Case in point, two 18-year-olds on the offensive line. And what is our record? I mean, it goes hand in hand. But I think we get caught up in this recruiting, and you're right about the development. And I already like what I see with um, some of the guys that came in this year like all reports are that all three defensive tackles even the dancing bear are pretty damn good and as a matter of fact if you look on one of those uh, those 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 videos that the uh, school released with those kids those young kids that lift Jalar Harley has got 505 on the squat rack so you know he mean business and I'm, I've heard that Trey Orr has been good this year. Avery Huff is a freak. Um, the little small kid, the DB, um, what's the DB's name, the little small one? Oh, it's Corey Couch. Uh, oh, it's Corey Couch. Corey Couch. He's been good. I mean, so the future looks good. But, of course, we've got to um, – we got to win some games because you're right, uh, Manny. Manny is going to be judged on what the team's record is next year. And honestly, anything less than 9-3, and three, he's probably going to get slack. He might be able to get away with 8-4, and four, but 7-5, and five, they're coming for his neck. And I think he knows that. But I think the most important thing that goes on in the spring is we figure out who the quarterback is. And I can't believe I just said that because we thought we had that figured out, but I think realistically we don't. So, well, I, uh, I, I kind of wanted to switch the subject, uh, you know, in regards to that, the quarterback, it's kind of a perfect segue because to me, you look at, again, the 20 commitments that they have right now. Uh, and I think all, all of these guys are going to end up signing, by the way. I don't, I don't think they're going to lose any of these guys. Uh, I know that obviously there's the rumors out there uh, uh, with the defensive end, uh, Romello Height and Auburn and whatnot, and how they could lose him at the last minute. But I think for the most part, these 20 guys are pretty much locked in. And, and you know, anything, again, anything they add is sort of gravy. But, you know, there is a question out there, well, who can help this team right away? Who are these 20 guys? And, you know, obviously Tyler Van Dyke is one who I think can come in, especially since he's going to be in in January. Uh, along with 12 other guys, there's going to be 13 guys, I think, that that, that arrive in January. Um, 
he'll be able to compete for the starting quarterback job with Jaron Williams and with Nikosi Perry. So I think right off the bat, he is probably the most impactful uh, addition uh, to to the team as far as the 2020 class. The guy who can come in right away, I think, and really compete for a starting job. You look at the rest of the class. Uh, Mike, I know you're excited about Don Chaney Jr. and Jalen Knighton, um, but I, I think both of those guys are probably uh, just going to be supporting roles, special teams, you know, maybe, um, you know, a backup type role or mostly scout team. I mean, I can't see how, you know, especially with what happens with DJ Dallas, but assuming he goes pro, you still have Cam Harris, you still have Lorenzo Lingard. Unless two of the three, two uh, of those three guys leave, I think Don Chaney Jr. and Jalen Knighton are backups uh, at best next season, and they don't play a whole lot. Um, you know, and then the other positions, even the receiver, Michael Redding, um, you know, you look at the, the three guys that they're bringing in there, um, Xavier Restrepo is another one. Uh, I, I don't think those guys are going to play a ton either. Um, you know, it's going to be about kids like Jeremiah Payton, who was part of the 2019 class. The offensive line, you know, Jalen Rivers, he's, he's probably the most ready to help, but there's no guarantee he'll be in the starting lineup uh, in 2020. He might be a backup. He might be a rotational type player. Um, same thing at defensive end, you know, yes, I know they lost John Garvin, uh, but they have guys that are waiting in the wings at that position as well that have been developing from last year. Um, you know, linebacker, there's six guys besides Zach McLeod that are, that are on this roster at that position that, you know, are going to come in and, and, uh, have a better shot. I think at starting alongside Zach McLeod than, than either one of the freshman linebackers they have committed now. Um, so, again, you, you look across this 2020 class, even the secondary, there's, there's nobody besides Tyler Van Dyke, who I think has a legitimate start, uh, chance of starting. Do you, do you disagree with me, Mike? Or, and, and, and then, obviously, you can, uh, you can follow it up, Kelvin. Well, I, so I, I don't think it's necessarily about finding those guys who are immediate impact stars. I think it, right now it's about building depth and, you know, having guys push other guys in practice, try and fight for their positions. Just just have competition. and Because we've seen when Miami's been great, it's been because they've been pushed. Because those positions are so deep that they really had to earn it in practice. And I think uh, w- with Knighton and Chaney coming in at the running back position, I think you're going to have uh, Cam Harris, you're going to have Robert Burns, Lorenzo Lingard should be healthy. And then the two freshmen coming in, you're going to have five backs fighting for possibly, you know, that, that three deep rotation. And I think that's just, you can make that case for every single position. And I think that's what I guess Manny's trying to do now, just build depth rather than try and go out and get those immediate impact stars, because that's going to be a little harder to do when you're not necessarily winning. The, the running back room reminds me of what they had in old from 2000 to 2002. And, um, if all those guys stay, it's going to be incredible. But, yeah, out of all the guys, the two guys that are going to probably play the quickest are um, Van Dyke and Rivers. And if we somehow pull it off, Justin Flo starts day one. Now, other than that, I agree with you. Definitely in the second. Well, we may need to get a couple corners as well because um, – you got two starters. To Corey Couch will be the slot. Uh, Bandy probably ain't coming back. So, Christian Christian Williams 
and Takori Couch are going to have to step up in spring. But if you're, um, say, Jaden Sw- Francois, um, there's an opportunity there. I mean, what are the corners are we uh, are we signing? Well, you got Marcus Clark, uh, who is a three-star kid out of Winter Park. I went up and I watched him earlier this year. You know, he's a kid who I think is going to need some time to put some weight on his body. He's he's a very good athlete. He's fast, but I think he still kind of needs to learn the position a little bit. He kind of reminds me of of a Nigel Bethel, who obviously transferred out of the program, but that's that's kind of who he reminds me of—a a kid who has some skill, just needs to be taught how to really play the position. Um, the kid who could probably contribute in some way, shape, or form is Jalen Harrell, who's kind of a Minka Fitzpatrick type, who can play safety, can play corner. Uh, Jalen, you know, he's a guy who basically played center field for his uh, state championship team at Champagnat. Uh, Kashawn Washington is a safety. Um, those are those are the DBs that you've got right now uh, in this class. Uh, obviously, and, and Brian Balaam, who's another safety out of Miramar. Brian Balaam's only started one year in high school. He was a backup at Miramar up until this year. Good player, but he's another kid that you have to bring along slowly. So I don't think there are instant impact defensive backs in this class i think if trajan bandy decides to leave early uh, that's just going to put more pressure on al blades jr and um dj ivy al blades and then you got you know williams christian williams who you mentioned and to Corey couch who would take over the slot corner position those are going to be the first four guys so again i mean to me i mean i think we pretty much debated it uh the four guys uh, i mean the the, the Two guys really have a chance, I think, to come in and, and get starting jobs. That would be Jalen Rivers, um, the offensive lineman, and then, of course, Tyler Medeiger, quarterback. Outside of that, the rest of the guys are backups. But your point is, it's a good point, Mike. I mean, really, it is about creating competition. It is about pushing these guys. And ultimately, you hope that this 2019 and 2020 class together over the next two to three years develop and become sort of Manny's guys, not the Mark Rick guys or, you know, the guys who were coached by Manny when he was D.C., but look at Manny Diaz as a head coach that they respect and they want to play for so that they don't allow things like the FIU game to happen again. All right, let's switch subjects a little bit here because I know this is sort of a hot topic. The whole Alonzo Highsmith rumors um, and him potentially being brought in to be sort of the overseer of the football program. Uh, again, these are all just rumors. This is all just speculation. Uh, Alonzo Highsmith works for the Cleveland Browns in the player personnel department. And you and I debated this quite a bit, Kelvin, the other day. I know you you, you obviously know Alonzo, the, all the former players, I'm sure, are talking about this. Um, what's your insight into this whole situation? Well, I'll say this. If they offered him a job and it was like a seven hundred grand, he would probably take it. They're not gonna offer him a job at seven hundred grand for what, you know. I think Gary Furman is the guy that's been pushing this. Um, the problem is, like I talked to a couple guys who've been at SEC programs, who have an AD in charge of who's uh, assistant AD of football, but he's a do boy. He just, you know, sits in meetings. He takes um, takes notes and passes information along to the athletic director. Uh, he doesn't get involved in recruiting. Uh, doesn't get involved in any coaching changes or strategy. And they usually pay that guy like 100, 125 grand. You're not getting Lonzo from 125 grand. And then 
it goes back to well, um, I know some people say well he provides legitimacy to, you know, to the recruits, and I think in some aspect he does, but then, to be honest, to the kids he doesn't. Now to the family members, as far as like the parents, yeah, they know who it, they know who Lonzo is. I mean, uh, especially if they're UM fans. Um, I think. A lot of this is knee-jerk reaction on the fans and some boosters to a six and six season and a loss to FIU. But let me let me let me put it to you another way, uh, Manny. If we had went six and six, and one of those losses wasn't FIU, let's just say we lost to Virginia and Pitt and beat Duke and FIU. Would we be in an uproar like this? Well, it's a good question. I, I think, yes, they would still be upset about the overall record, but not to the extent that they are now. You're right. I think the FIU loss and I think the loss to Duke to end the season are, are looked at as shameful. Uh, Miami's lost to Pittsburgh, and they've lost to Virginia before. Fans wouldn't be happy. They'd say, well, you know, you shouldn't be finishing, you know, dead last in the, in the division uh, because that's where Miami would be right now had they lost those games. Uh, but – I think you're right. I think there, the part of the reason this is sort of so heightened, this hysteria, uh, is certainly because of the loss to FIU and certainly because of, of the way the season ended with back-to-back losses after things looked so promising following the win against Louisville. Um, so you're right about that. Um, Mike, what are, what are your thoughts on, on this Alonzo Highsmith uh, idea? Uh, I, I, before you give me your thoughts, I, I'll spit out mine real quick. I think this is a great way for uh, Blake James to sort of avoid the axe. It's probably the only way, <laughs> the only benefit of this uh, for Blake James is that there'll be a fall guy, right, if the football program continues to struggle. Uh, in the end, I don't see the benefit unless Alonzo Highsmith is given the power to hire a new head coach and hire a new staff. If, if that's what he's being given uh, by, by taking this job, uh, fine. Then, then maybe he is the right guy to bring in because he is a caretaker of the program and he and he does look at this thing uh, in a different perspective, having been in the NFL for as long as he's been. But um, I, I think if he's just brought in, you know, as as a fancy title and to collect a paycheck, then then it really does this program no good. Well, yeah, it all comes down to how much power does he have? Does he have power to fire and hire head coaches? Do, you know. Or is he just, a, like you said, an overseer of things? And so I think it comes down to what exactly his role is going to be. What What is he allowed to do? What is he not allowed to do? Is he allowed to go to the Board of Trustees and ask for maybe more money for um, you know, other, other things? Or does, does he not have that right? It, it all comes down to what he's allowed to do and what he's not allowed to do. Uh, if he's just a caretaker and he's just sort of just a babysitter then I, I, I'm not all for it because that's that's basically Blake James covering his butt. And I, I, I think that's that's the easy way out for Blake James. But if he's bringing in Alonzo Highsmith to really, you know, build this program and give it some structure and direction, then I'm all for it. Well, um, let's change subjects again because we got a lot to talk about here. Uh, last night, Miami, on Sunday night, uh, I don't want to just say last night because you may be hearing this on Tuesday or, or Wednesday of the week, but on Sunday night, the Hurricanes had their annual awards um, ceremony. They gave out some hardware, and there were some surprises uh, among the players who, who received awards as far as um, superlatives and whatnot. Uh, number one, 
the biggest surprise, I think, was the offensive uh, MVP award. It was given to sophomore offensive lineman DJ Scaife. Um, the defensive MVP award given to Michael Pinckney, and the overall MVP award given to Shaq Quarterman. That's the Jack Harding Award. Um, I'm curious to get your reaction to this, Kelvin. Uh, obviously, you know, these are all in-house awards. I think some of this is political, right? Coach, you know, the coaches give these awards, uh, awards out, and, and maybe they're trying to send a message to certain players. Uh, but what's your reaction as a player to see these awards handed out? And I'm curious, when you played, did, did, kids, did the kids on the team care about this kind of stuff? How much did this sort of mean to them? I got to be honest with you, I don't even remember the banquet. Any of them. <laughs> I, I you guys we were, a, were playing for much bigger things back in the day. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm trying to think, when did we have a banquet? Because, like, my senior year, I don't remember none of it. It's all a blur. Like, that's one I don't remember the banquets. I remember the beginning of the season banquets because when Coach Johnson was there, he always had some crazy outlandish speech. But um, as far as the awards here, if it was me, the offensive MVP would have been DJ Dallas. The defensive MVP mm-hmm. uh, probably would have been Greg Russo. And what, what was the third award? The Jack Harding Award, which is the overall most valuable player. That went to Shaq Quarterman. Um, I guess I, 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 I could go with that. Okay. But the other two... Um, the scape one, mm. I would say yeah. that I would go more with KJ Osborne than Scaife or DJ Dallas. Right. One of one of the J's, KJ or DJ. Right. Now they gave out. It looks like Mike Zimmerman about thirty or forty different awards. Which you know, following a six and six season, I would have trimmed that down to about six awards. But they, but I guess they have their uh, their awards that they have to give out to uh, different players. Jim Kelly U-Tough Award, okay, is given out to two players, Nikosi Perry, Trevon Hill. Those are the two guys who took that one. Um, the Plummer Award for Leadership, Motivation, and Spirit gave given to Mike Harley. Um, and two other leadership awards were given to DJ Dallas and Pat Bethel. One, one obviously, offense, defense, and then Jimmy Murphy got one for special teams. Now, there were a bunch of awards uh, one name that was obviously left off the list was Jaron Williams, um, who probably would have gotten the offensive MVP award, especially with DJ Dallas getting hurt if he didn't bomb against FIU and Duke. I'm curious, did you look at this list of awards, Mike, and, and what were your thoughts when, when you saw it all? So I, I saw these awards, and I think for most programs and teams, regardless of sport, most of these awards are for behind-the-scenes stuff. You know what I mean? It's kind of like like leadership and toughness and rather than on-the-field performance because I think we, we understand, I think Pinckney and Quarterman deserve their, their awards, whereas maybe DJ Scaife, you know, was maybe a leader in practice and or had, you know, was just something where we didn't see because otherwise why would he deserve that award where he had a decent season but he wasn't necessarily – the most valuable player on the offense, or maybe because he was the only decent offensive lineman, so maybe that's why he was most valuable. But um, the other awards, I think, are behind the scenes, and we can't really comment on them because we don't really know what's going on. And I think maybe that's the case uh, for Jaron Williams, why he didn't necessarily get an award, because we heard in the middle of the season he had some, some issues that 
you know, were the reason why he didn't start for a few games. So I think a lot of it has to do with off the field and behind the scenes stuff. Excellent point. I, I, I agree with you. I think that certainly plays a factor. And, and again, I think this is about coaches sending messages uh, to certain kids and supporting the ones who bust their butts and, and show up every single week and uh, do the right thing versus the guys who have given them headaches. And Jaron certainly has given them some headaches this season. All right, let's switch the subject again. Uh, a hot topic, obviously, has been Tate Martell uh, all season long, but uh, Tate took two leave of absences from the team, and I know this is going to get under your skin, Kelvin, because uh, there's a lot of fans out right now who are hoping that Tate Martell gets a chance to play in this bowl game. Um, Tate came back to practice, I guess, on Saturday. Uh, for, for our listeners, uh, the media, we have not been allowed out to practice during any bowl practices th- so far. Obviously, Miami coaches have been deep into recruiting leading up to uh, Wednesday's signing day event. Uh, but uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, will be the first time I actually get to go out to practice. We won't get a chance to watch it. Nobody in the media gets a chance to watch practice unless you're a uh, radio guy, a play-by-play broadcaster. Like uh, Usually those guys always get the, the behind-the-scenes look. We, we're, we're denied that stuff, Kelvin. Uh, but Tate Martell is an interesting subject, and I know this is one that kind of gets under your skin because there are so many fans who are still clamoring to see this guy um, your thoughts on Tate and what do you think uh, Miami should do with him? Well, you you was on my podcast when I said that he couldn't start at any school in fam, you know, including FAMU, and I brought up Ryan Stanley. And, you know, maybe some people thought I was joking, but I was dead serious because I've watched that kid since he was in the eighth grade. And then I went around and I thought, is he better than Blake Barnett at USF? No. Is he better than the Gabriel kid at at uh, UCF? No. Uh, James Morgan? No. Uh, Jordan Travis, James Blackman, um, the kid from Wisconsin? No. Trask? No. And then I thought about the Jalen Jones kid? No. Bethune's quarterback? Then I said to myself, no, (laughs) because Bethune's quarterback throws better. And then I brought up Scooter Morrison. He might be better than Scooter Morrison, but he's not better than Teron Dickens or Zion Turner at Aquinas. Does that show you how I feel about that kid? Honestly, I'll be honest with you. I know Manny is trying to handle this in the most uh, straightforward way as he can, you know, with kick gloves. But it's time to cut bait because I think if you keep bringing this kid back, you're sending a bad message to your team. And you you risk a chance of losing control. Um, I know there's some things going on in the kid's life. Um... I just think it's best that he go somewhere else because he's never going to play. And if he does play, it's a gimmick. Because if you play him this game at wide receiver, what kind of message are you sending to your wide receivers? Guys who have been in the trenches for you all year. And, you know, they've been up and down, but they've been there. And then a quarterback, please. I mean, it's I don't I just don't see how you can play this guy. And it's not that he's a bad kid because from what I understand – you know, they like him. He's a good kid. You know, 
he, he works hard when he's there. And he's run into some Colombian stuff, and it's confusing. <laughs> well, that's that's a good way to classify it, uh, some Colombian stuff. Mike Zimmerman, uh, where do you sit on this? Because you usually have the pulse of, of the fan base pretty well intact. You, you, I know you keep up with all the rumors and, and message boards, comments, etc. I'm wondering if you are uh, what feels like the majority of, of crazy Canes fans who think that, hey, you know what, play Tate Martell, it's a meaningless bowl game. Um, give the guy some snaps and see what he's got. Where, where do you fall in that? So uh, originally when he came in um, and enrolled in, in the University of Miami, I kind of wanted him to win the starting job just because of all the hype. He was a five-star kid. Um, you know, didn't really actually get a chance to see him at Ohio State, so you're just basing it off of all these you know, reports and upside and everything. And then as the season went on and, and he wasn't playing, and he, it, you know, there were so many reports that he was taking a leave of absence and then he came back and then he was, you know, took a leave of absence again and then he came back. And in my head, I'm like, does he want to play or not? Because if you do want to play, you're not, you're not missing practice. You're not leaving the program and then coming back. So I, I think I'm sure he's a great kid. I'm sure he works hard, but I don't know if he actually wants it bad enough. Now, I, I, I again, that's all speculation. He could, and I'm just... I'm just, my opinion's wrong, but I, I get the feeling that he just doesn't want it. He's just, he's fine with coasting by, not playing, enjoying the Miami lifestyle, and uh, and enjoying the sun. Yeah, I, I, I think if Tate Martell was serious about football, uh, he would probably would have transferred by now, or entered the transfer portal again, and I think the fact that he has taken leaves of absence uh, just shows you that and, and again, we're seeing these photos of him with his girlfriend in New York and other places. Uh, it just shows you that the kid's got something else on his mind. And I think Kelvin's right. When when you, you know, continue to let this kid come back um, and and just play and sort of get away with it, it sends a terrible message to the rest of the team. Both of you guys made that point. And, and I think um, at this point, if I'm Manny Diaz, I'm, I'm almost entering the transfer portal with him. I'm like, hey, dude, <laughs> you know, why don't you try to go play at UNLV or somewhere else? And and uh, but for whatever reason, he hasn't done that yet. And it's going to be interesting. I'd like to see if we if we get a chance to talk to Tate Martell uh, here. I doubt it. I doubt UM would uh, would would let him let us talk to him. But I'd love to get a chance to talk to him and find out what's sort of been going on through his mind and what it is that he's actually thinking because he was a very talented recruit, a player who had high expectations put on him and and. Uh, you know what is what is going through this kid's mind uh, to do everything that he's sort of done this year. It's it's just been a really wacky sideshow to a really wacky season. Guys, listen, I appreciate you uh, both coming on and participating in this podcast. Obviously, Wednesday is going to be a very busy day for me. I will be down at the University of Miami uh, to talk to coaches and get their reactions to uh, the early signing period event, and there will be a couple more bowl practices leading up to Miami leaving. Uh, for Shreveport, Louisiana, and the game on December 26th, the Independence Bowl against Louisiana Tech. I'll be actually flying up to Dallas the day of the game and driving over. I'm not ruining my Christmas to go watch that bowl game. I'll be home with my family for Christmas, but I will be flying out early on the 26th to make sure I get there for the game. Uh, any parting thoughts? Uh, Kelvin, you go first, and then uh, Mike, just, just follow him up with anything else you got on your mind. Yeah, first of all, you're pulling the Tate Martell on us by not being there on the 24th. 
So, you know, I mean, and then if hey, if you want to be ahead of the curve, you need to fly out to Upland just in case. Okay, I got you. <laughs> but I have a, I have a feeling that won't be happening, but go ahead. Well, on on the on the on the Tate Martell thing, I know what's going through his mind and through his face and his hands. It's Columbia. And <laughs> there's no way he's transferring now. I just think he'd be fine with just being a team manager because, you know, hmm. you, you know, Miami is a great place to get an education. They've got some great uh, educational programs, and there's a lot of opportunity in the community. And um, all I can say is Kiki Paso, man. But um, <laughs> the fans saying that this is a meaningless bowl game are so incorrect. This is this. We have essentially started the 2020 season with these bowl practices and with um, with this bowl game. So this, in my in my point of view, is game one of the 2020 season. We're in my it's sort of like a mini spring practice now. So you know when they get in the pads and they go at it, it's got to be with some mean meaning meaningful. Um, uh, something has to be a, achieved out of these bowl practices. People have to get better. You know, some of the young guys have been red-shirted. You need to see um, what they can do in live bullet situations. And then you go into um, the game, and your object is to not just win, but to put your foot on Louisiana Tech's throat. They need to end the season the way they started it. Texas put their foot on Louisiana Tech's throat, and we need to do the same thing. And then that leads into spring practice, and you have a good spring practice, and that leads into fall practice. This is the beginning of 2020, and if you're Jaron Williams, you better play your ass off because your job is on the line. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to agree with Kelvin. Uh, I think anybody who's saying this is a meaningless game uh, is just flat-out wrong especially not only just to end the season well, but you're also starting the 2020 season. You've got these young guys who are trying to to win positions for next year, trying to give coaches a, another good look. And, and I think it, it's it's a perfect way to go into um, into the off-season workout program on, on a high note. And I think I'll also give one more advice, a piece of advice to, to Canes fans. Don't, don't buy into all this social media stuff that – coaches and players post on 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 twitter and and all this other stuff wait for the season because i think we made that mistake this year where you know manny diaz the new miami and we were getting all hyped up and then it was sort of a letdown maybe we're behind schedule ahead of schedule but I, i think just just don't don't buy into all this stuff just wait for the next season and then let it see let it play out all good points, fellas. Again, thanks for doing the podcast. I do think this game is meaningless, by the way. I do. I think uh, come come uh, April or February, whenever the holidays they do their spring practices, um, that's all we're going to be talking about. And the last thing we're going to be talking about this bowl game. But that's, that's just my feeling on it. Uh, guys, thanks again for doing the podcast. 
Uh, to our listeners, we'll be back later this week with another episode, and we try to get somebody on to help me preview the Independence Bowl game and to give you some updates uh, off of these bowl practices. All right, that's it for our show. See you next week. Jay Will with the TD. Kickoff team ready to eat. First two, knock them out. Dinner is on me. DJ Dallas with the shakes. Better press on them brakes. Osborne on that fade. Cut through the defense like a blade. Got the best.